Coming up on Over a Barrel. That would generally mean prices would react negatively by going up after such a report, but we're actually seeing uh, oil down significantly. And the wholesale price of gasoline, Matt, some of the regions across the country is now the lowest it's been in the last few weeks. So are the prices on the way up or down? Find out the answer now on Over a Barrel. Welcome to Over a Barrel. I'm your co-host, Matt McLean, alongside the other co-host, Patrick DeHaan, for your weekly update on all the things that, you know, have to do with oil and gas prices. Hello, Patrick. Good to be with you, Matt. Boy, uh, you know, uh, another day, another episode, oil prices all over the map today. So <laughs> feel like that's my life all over the map lately. Yeah, I filled up on gasoline earlier this week, and now it's dropped about 35 cents a gallon because, you know, that's good luck. <laughs> I wash my car, it rains. This is the standardized way that I live my life. That only happens in Florida though, right? The car wash and it rains. That no, doesn't happen. <laughs> it would happen in the middle of the Sahara Desert if I went through a car wash. I just want you to know. So if anybody needs a drought relief, just call me out to your area. I'll go through the car wash and boom, it's taken care of. It'll well, rain. I mean, there are some areas that could probably use you, Matt, if you're calling on the rain gods. Uh, um, apparently. How about we call on the gas price gods to make the prices fall? Apparently, I have that talent as well. I get gas and then it drops 30 cents a gallon. So I don't know what's going on. Well, I'll tell you what, we need to get you like a 50,000 gallon tank or something. You fill it up today and the rest of us will be saving, you know, over the course of the next two weeks. If everybody wants to contribute, I I mean, we'll we'll do it. We'll crowdsource this, right? We'll crowdsource it, Kickstarter. It'll be fantastic. It'll be great. It'll be well, great. As long as we all save. And speaking of savings, uh, we're coming at... Uh, a, a perfect time again. Um, oil prices, um, and, and I just made this joke on Twitter, by the way, because it just seems like the market, uh, oil market, by the way, has, you know, really, it, it's like uh, uh, it must be on a do not resuscitate order because today uh, we got some bullish news. Uh, the weekly report from the Energy Information Administration, which is a critical report for any oil analyst. Um, it, it, it actually looked like a pretty bullish report, Matt. Um, oil inventories dropped. Um, gasoline and diesel inventories increased a little bit. But it, it was kind of a bullish report, meaning that oil prices would generally go up as a reaction. But boy, just the opposite. Um, oil prices did go up a little bit moments after the report was issued. But now they're kind of in a free fall. Um, we're down again. I'm, I'm watching my screen here tick lower, what seems like every second. Uh, the price for a barrel of crude oil is back below the $70 barrel mark. We are now down over 4% today, Matt. $69.41 for a barrel of West Texas Intermediate Crude Oil. So the joke is that you spell bullish, B-E-A-R-I-S-H, uh, -E right? It's actually bearish. So Interesting. You know, oil markets... Uh, it's been kind of counterintuitive, right? Things have been rather tight, and we've talked about this on previous po uh, pre previous podcasts. Is that supply is is anything but you know lavish? Um, and again, today, oil markets responding surprisingly bearish to this report. So the price, so well, then so where are the price is going to go from here? Now I'm all confused. Well, Matt, actually, because oil price is kind of having this adverse reaction, what may have actually sent oil prices up if the market were reacting, you know, in a a, a, um, a way that made sense, oil prices would have gone up after that, after seeing that report today, but they're actually going down. Now, there's a lot of reasons for that. Uh, the Swiss Central Bank did raise interest rates today. And again, kind of reminding the market 
that these interest rate increases are likely to continue. In fact, the U.S.'s uh, Federal Reserve, Jerome Powell, continuing to remind markets that more interest rates are coming. And Matt, that's kind of pessimistic for oil markets because raising interest rates does slow the economy down. It slows consumer down. Uh, um, and and so as a result of, of interest rates that continue to rise to fight inflation, uh, that's likely going to continue eating into global oil consumption, which has been you know, pretty lackluster as of late. Although in today's report from the government, gasoline consumption, uh, according to the EIA, which measures gasoline demand in a little bit of an indirect way, we call it implied demand because they measure how gasoline disappears. Uh, U.S. demand was a little bit over 9 million barrels. So definitely not anywhere near the record levels, uh, but, but fairly strong um, given where we've been the last couple of weeks. And again, that would generally mean prices would react negatively by going up after such a report, but we're actually seeing uh, oil down significantly. And the wholesale price of gasoline, Matt, <laughs> to your point about filling your tank and it going up, the wholesale price of gasoline in some of the regions across the country is now the lowest it's been in the last few weeks. So, you know, going into the weekend, Matt, I'm, I'm pretty optimistic. Um, we've been stuck with the national average between 350 and 360 every day since April. And we're right in the middle of that range today. The national average 356. I'm hopeful that with today's market drop in the price of oil, maybe we'll start to get outside of that 350 to 360 range. We could see the national average dip under 350. So I hate to add insult to injury, but if you fill up again, you may find it, it goes down again after you fill up. And I think that's what we're going to trend, Matt, is, is that prices should continue inching down in most areas across the country, maybe not all of them. Well, that does not surprise me at all. So for those of you who are wanting cheaper gas prices, I may take it uh, on the limb, so to speak, and go out and refill and, and we'll see what happens. <laughs> we'll see what happens. I like cheap gas and I cannot lie. Right? So And it's I. looking pretty good. <laughs> yeah. So, well, you know, I mean, but with the inventories going down, I mean, it's, I don't know. Counterintuitive. Thank you. Yes. It, it, it's almost as if the left hand doesn't know what the right hand is doing, so to speak. It's It seems to be disconnected, uh, the price of the pump versus the, the economics behind the scenes. Is that well, kind of an accurate way of looking at it? Yeah. Oil market's kind of undergoing a little bit of a, um, you know, uh, identity crisis, or you could come almost say after a day like today, maybe it's having a stroke, right? And it's just not responding in a way that would make sense. So um, now there, there's a lot of complexities, right? It's not just this report that makes oil go up or down. Oil prices were already down pretty significantly this morning. And like I said, it's because um, it's because of some economic moves in Turkey, um, which uh, Turkey uh, r r jumped interest rates to 15% um, earlier today, Matt. Um, Turkey has long had basically no cost to borrowing, and that has led to rampant, rampant inflation in Turkey. And so earlier today, Turkey hiked interest rates to 15%. Matt, could you imagine if that happened? Oh, my that, gosh. That, that, that's interest rates almost doubling overnight in Turkey. Turkey's policy has basically been no borrowing costs, and that has caused inflation to run rampant. That's why the U.S. has been raising interest rates is to curb inflation. 
So Turkey essentially just surged interest rates overnight to 15%, uh, a dramatic, a dramatic change. Um, you know, it's almost like an about face. And so that coupled with the Swiss bank raising interest rates was kind of a big slap in the face, uh, uh, Matt, this morning that, you know, central banks are going to continue to fight inflation. And the collateral damage is that in the process of fighting inflation by raising interest rates, you're going to slow down consumer spending, which also corresponds to consumers driving less, buying less, the goods that they buy, if they're buying fewer of them, there's going to be less consumption. So the underlying theme here is raising interest rates slows down the economy, but also slows down oil, gasoline, diesel consumption, et cetera. Yeah, that's uh, certainly, we find ourselves in very interesting times for the month of June, I suppose. And so we have holidays coming up. Understandably, for most of the time, holidays seems to always translate into an increase in price. Not exactly sure why. I'm not, maybe you can shed some light on that, but uh, talk to us about kind of what you're thinking may be happening to the prices at the pump Ooh. a little bit better as we get toward, I mean, the 4th of July, for example, it's only, what, about 14, 15, 16 days yeah. away. You know, it's a few weeks, if you will. I mean, what are your thoughts on everything? You know, it's like hitting a bullseye on a dartboard that's like half a mile away. That's really what it feels like. I mean, July 4 is not too far away. Um, you know, it, it's look at my calendar here. We're, you know, less than two weeks away. But if it feels like a really long shot to get this right. Now, the overall consensus, Matt, um, oil prices have been all over the place. We've covered that. Um, you know, one day they're 65, the next day 70, the next day 75, the next day 65. <laughs> I'm going to be hopeful and I'll take the under on prices being lower um, by July 4 than they are today. And, and at, you know, I'll, hopefully we can get out of this 350 to 360 a gallon range, but I'm going to bet they're going to be a little bit lower uh, come July 4. Maybe not much. But, you know, this is the trend that we see every year, Matt. Um, and again, the mill that we, the myth that we dispelled last time, right, is that prices don't peak in the middle of the summer. They tend to cool off. So if you look at the summer holidays, Memorial Day, July 4, and Labor Day, typically Memorial Day is the highest, the most expensive for gas. July 4 is kind of right in the middle. And Labor Day is the lowest. And I'm going to guess that this summer is going to be probably the same. So... July 4 is going to see price a little bit lower than Memorial Day. And Labor Day will probably see price a little bit lower than July 4. Really? Although, although Matt, with Tropical Storm Brett and um, TD4, Tropical Depression number 4, I believe, as it's being referred to at the moment. You know, these are, these are stark reminders that, um, that there could be more uh, tropical activity. Right. And so that's the caveat is that if there's a hurricane in late August, that could disrupt Labor Day being the cheapest summer holiday. But well, uh, all in all. Yeah, you just bring up a, a, a really excellent point, And that is the fact that even though we seem to be moving right along, treading right along, I mean, summer, you know, the first couple of days of summer have just uh, now fallen upon us. So, I mean, it's the summer technically just getting underway. Uh, but there's a lot of what ifs out there that could create some hiccups in the prices, mm -hmm. I, I suppose. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Um, you know, worth mentioning that amongst U.S. refining capacity, right? Think of all the refineries in the country, Matt. There's about 125 of them operating. 
half, half of the amount of capacity of all the refineries in the United States is in two areas, the Texas Gulf Coast and the Louisiana Gulf Coast. So if you get a Category 4 or 5 hurricane that heads for Lake Charles, mm-hmm. which is kind of like right on the Louisiana-Texas border, right? If, if you get a perfect storm that goes right into the sensitive areas, the Texas coast or the Louisiana coast, you know, buckle up because half the nation's refining capacity is within reach of a potential major hurricane. And that's why, you know, that's why, you know, people say, you know, hurricane towards Florida is a major concern. Well, from the oil perspective, from refining perspective, every storm is different. Um, you know, and you really got to watch for a storm between New Orleans and Houston, maybe even down to Corpus Christi, Texas, because there are some refineries in Corpus Christi. Um, but yeah, it's a very sensitive area. And, you know, with, with gasoline inventories that are still relatively tight, uh, that's just not what we want to see. No, I, I would, certainly wouldn't think so. And so that's an area uh, for us to really, I guess, keep an eye on. Uh, we are seemingly seeing some of the geopolitical things and only emphasis on some start to hopefully work themselves out. Uh, Take, for example, uh, the U.S. Secretary of State being in China this past week and working on trying to smooth things over between our two countries as well to prevent things from getting any worse. Understandably, the war in Ukraine with Russia seems to be ongoing. So that's why we say some, but you know, how much of the price of gas is factoring in some of these geopolitical things that, you know, at any given moment, if Putin, for example, from Russia decided he wanted to do something crazy, like, you know, uh, some kind of a a massive weapon that that no one would have ever thought that he would have used or anything along those lines. I mean, we don't want to give any ideas, but you know what I'm saying? I mean, what are the what are the what are the price points that we could see if tomorrow Russia said, you know what, we're going to stop, it's time to create a truce and, and, and work it out? Well, any, anything's really possible, Matt, um, and, and it depends, right? Right now, there's there's no credibility to Russia, you know, using a weapon, for example. But if there were some credible news sources that started hinting at something's up, whether it's a truce, a peace deal, or if it's the opposite, if Russia goes rogue and you know something happens, you know, uh, say Putin threatens a, a, a weapon um, of some sort. Um, you know, if it, if it was credible, if there was more than just a rumor floating around, oil markets would react immediately. Um, and if it was a if it was a truce, oil price would probably plummet, right? Because that means, hey, may, th- things may return to normal. Maybe Russia can start selling uh, more broadly. Um, and if it was a, a weapon, um, you know, that would increase the odds that that you know Russia is going to be shut in by. Um, by other countries. So that could make oil prices skyrocket, but there's nothing credible. But once the market understands that something is more possible, it starts to price that in. You know, if, if, if OPEC makes a production cut for 2024, oil prices react on the here and now, right? They don't wait until 2024 to react. It's kind of like a hurricane. Once you, <laughs> once you know a hurricane is coming for you, you, you don't wait until it's on top of you to react you react as soon as you hear or understand right. that something's changing. Oil markets work the same way. So once they learn of a potential impact, oil markets will assess that, right? And what I mean assess is oil, you know, sometimes traders will get 
more desperate for oil and they're willing to bid more on oil, or there will be less people buying oil and oil companies will have to lower their prices to incentivize those buyers to buy. So keep in mind, um, oil is a free market. Buyers and sellers meet in the middle and anything that can change you know, supplier demand, you may have more buyers, depending on the news. You may have more sellers and less buyers, depending on what the news is. So these things can theoretically change the price of oil in an instant once there is credibility behind, you know, any sort of news. And and that can lead to an impact at the pump that may take several days, um, depending on the severity. If, if you know, hypothetically, if, if Russia had a peace deal and the price of oil fell, you know, $5 a barrel today and maybe $10 a barrel and the wholesale price of gasoline plummeted 25 cents a gallon, theoretically, Matt, stations would probably start paying that lower price uh, tonight. Some really? of them- some of them would start paying that lower price tonight, but stations average a fill up. Stations get those, you know, semi trucks to deliver every three to five days. Um, some of them maybe even every two days. So theoretically, most stations wouldn't start getting access to that lower replacement cost for a couple of days. And then, and then, you know, four days from now, most stations would start lowering their prices incrementally incrementally they don't they don't do it all at once for the same reason they also find it tremendously difficult to raise their prices all at once um but you get into the psycho uh, uh, psychology of the market here um prices do go up faster than they come down but fear is a much more powerful emotion right people freak out um you know not only oil traders start to panic but you and i do you know, if we know the cost of, of a good is going to go up, we tend to buy it very quickly. Yeah. So that's what happens. So basically, if we want really substantially cheaper prices, we need to kind of hope for a, a, a peace thing between Putin and Ukraine. Is that uh, kind of the gist that's of what I hear you saying? That's the healthy way to, yeah. I, I can't sit here and hope for a recession, right? That's just silly. Um, a recession would slow down demand, right? And prices are set based on a balance of supply and demand. We don't want a recession. I don't think anyone wants a recession. That would help the demand side of the aspect. Or, you know, the other side is supply. What can drastically improve supply? Well, OPEC's been cutting back. Really, the only thing that could help supply, you know, aside from OPEC increasing production, would be, you know, the the the, the feels if... Russia had a truce or a peace deal with Ukraine and suddenly that went away. That would that would dramatically increase the odds that supply could normalize in the months ahead. Okay, well, let's dial it back for just a moment, uh, almost to a point of reality. <laughs> Unfortunately, uh, we're we're talking the, and I don't mean that in a bad way, uh, as far as what we're you know contemplating here and hoping for. Of course, uh, we would hope that that would eventually become reality. But here are some of the headlines that we're looking at right now, as of the time of the recording. You talk about the economy. Uh, there are certain areas that are beginning to act a bit sluggish. For example, home sales barely budging from April to May in what's considered a sluggish spring market. Normally, the springtime is the highest point for real estate sales. So that's certainly an area that is starting to make us wonder, will the U.S. economy start to really slow down? Of course, last week, the Fed indicating they still have a, a few more uh, rate interest or interest rate hikes that they are planning for this year. The Bank of England, for example, 
surprising a few hours ago with a 50 basis point rate hike in their nation to tackle what they are calling persistent inflation. And then on the Russian and Ukraine situation, uh, Kiev is indicating that they have intelligence. Ukraine has intelligence that Russia is considering a, quote, terrorist act on nuclear plant, unquote. Moscow is, of course, denying it. They also denied they were going to invade Ukraine. They also denied they were going to start a war with Ukraine, and they also denied they were wanting to hurt Ukraine. So uh, take that denial for what you will on that. But in that kind of a sense of reality, while we can certainly hope for a lot of things, there seems to be a lot of uh, turmoil um, that could create some both good and bad uh, situations on gas prices. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot there to digest. Um, but ultimately, um, you know, the market's a little bit pessimistic about that all, right? It, it, it's it's um, it's pessimistic for the future. You know, when you raise interest rates, I just went through the whole thing about describing how, how raising interest rates would stifle the economy, which would stifle consumption. So there's a lot there. Um, and by the way, this is why oil prices are all over the map every day, right? It's because this right. news, which can change supply and demand or change the outlook for it, is changing on a daily basis based on various countries, how they handle inflation and whatnot. So, you know, to, to wrap this all up, uh, essentially is that, you know, there's been a lot of volatility because on one side you have oil supply, which OPEC is cutting. They're trying to um, they're trying to boost the price of oil, which, by the way, looks like it, it so far has failed pretty miserably, led by the Saudis. Um, and, you know, for now, oil prices have been struggling because of all the economic uncertainty, because of the interest rate increases that are happening abroad and here in this country. And for now, consumers, um, you know, we're left to feel OK. Gas prices are far more affordable than a year ago. We're down about a dollar forty from a year ago. Um we're at uh, three fifty-five. We'll call it for a national average today. Um, we were at four ninety-five a year ago, and with oil prices declining here as of late, I think there's some downward potential. And I think Matt, the the odds moving forward is as you know, with all of the uh, negativity, the pessimism about interest rates going up into the fall. You know, looking down the road for gas prices, I think we could see prices. You know, last fall. By the way, the national average fell to within a nickel of going below the $3 mark. I think there's, you know, there's certainly an increasing amount of confidence I have that we could get below that. We could even fall below the $3 a gallon national average later this fall. So while we talk about summer and the prices are much more affordable this year, um, this fall, you know, when demand starts to weaken outside of the summer driving season, we could see even lower prices. Uh, but again, a lot could happen between now and then, whether it's good or bad. All right. So let's uh, kind of go down the list here for just a moment and kind of get your comments on each one. Um, it, Russia does do something to this nuclear plant, as is feared. Gas prices will go up, down or stay about the same. Well, they may be unchanged. It really depends, um, you know, if they do it. Um, but, you know, We've seen Russia do a lot of things, right? It's launched attacks on various cities in Ukraine, and that really hasn't moved the needle. Um, if this one is more significant, if it if it results in other countries that are receiving Russian oil to have a response, well, then it could impact the price of oil. Home sales barely budged from April to May in the sluggish spring market, which could indicate yeah. uh, some additional uh, situations in the U.S. market cooling off a little bit. Gas prices, uh, where do we go in that yeah. scenario? 
Well, that would put downward pressure on prices. Uh, again, illustrating that people are slowing down their spending. Home sales are down, they're spending less. And part of the reason is interest rates are, are much higher. So, you know, that that's just a perfect example of why rising interest rates can stifle consumption. So, you know, home sales being sluggish, uh, that would put downward pressure on on the broader economy and, and on gasoline prices and, and, and consumption. Do the does the fact that other nations raise their interest rates have an impact globally on oil prices like the Bank of England uh, suddenly, uh, you know, tackling uh, their persistent inflation by raising interest rates actually by quite a bit? Does that have an impact? Well, the United Kingdom, you know, it's not a huge energy consumer. I think it does more psychologically. It's kind of like another bullet. Um, the, The market has to dodge. Um, it, 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 it just means another country's adding, you know, to, to what has been rising interest rates globally. So it's not, you know, from the supply and demand aspect, it's not huge, but it's another psychological blow and a reminder that rising interest rates are going to continue. So if anything, that action coupled with other countries that continue to raise rates again, that, that would put downward pressure on oil and gasoline prices. Any other scenario that you can think of uh, other than natural uh, w- weather related type things for hurricanes and other aspects? Uh, are there is there anything else on the radar uh, man made, if you will, that mm-hmm. may be creating some issues either for or against a a, a gas price increase or decrease, uh, et cetera? I mean, what are what are you kind of seeing in that? Well, you know, th- things are looking pretty OK. There's nothing, you know, exceptional happening right now. Um specific to the oil and gasoline sector, right? Refineries and oil companies, um, you know, things continue to look just fine. I don't think we're going to have a breakout summer. Demand is weaker, but it's, you know, seasonally strong. Um, So there's not a whole lot cooking right now, uh, aside from what is out there. That could change very quickly. You know, I will point out that in today's report from the government on the Energy Information Administration, that refinery capacity, you know, it's it's they just released their annual refinery report and we did see a nice increase in refining capacity. Well, uh, uh, a nice but modest increase in refining capacity. And the good news, depending on where you are, Matt, um, we saw a lot of refinery issues that developed last year simply because refineries were running full tilt for the you know entire summer because prices were so high. We did see some issues in the fall and winter, especially with that Arctic blast that hit us right around Christmas. And it looks like much of the impact from some of those events, um, there was a Synovus refinery, the now Synovus refinery in Toledo. Um, it, it looks like it finally got online after repairs. The Synovus refinery, the former Husky refinery in Superior, Wisconsin, had a major fire, basically um, a, a complete loss back in 2018. That refinery now has been fully rebuilt and we're finally getting to the point where uh, refining capacity looks pretty normal. So that should put some downward pressure on prices in the months ahead. But all in all, you know, those are the kinds of things to watch. Um, the overall direction of the economy is one to watch as well. So um, good news for consumers going into July 4. I think there's a little bit of downward pressure on prices. Now, before we began recording, I uh, mentioned and, and read, by the way, the uh, uh, the story before I sent it to you, but I still thought it was funny uh, that, that I was sending you a story where you were quoted in it. But it's about a state that used to have the most expensive gas prices that <laughs> apparently no longer does. Uh, you want to fill us in on some of this? 
Well, you know, Matt, it's not it's not great. And by the way, the state yeah you're referring to is California used to have the most expensive gas or, you know, still kind of does. Um, it's not gotten better for California, right? The, 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 the price has not gone down much. It has gotten worse for Washington state. And that's what we've never seen before. Um, Washington state is currently the most expensive in the nation for the average price of a gallon of gasoline. Um, part of that is because of carbon taxes, which started at the beginning of the year. Uh, Oregon and Washington tended to be very close in terms of the average price. Uh, but right now, uh, Washington is is leading the nation by almost ten cents. The statewide average four eighty seven. California's average about four seventy nine a gallon. Oregon all the way down at four fifty two. So the difference here is that Oregon and Washington, prior to the cap and trade program that Washington started this year, um, Oregon and Washington used to be you know connected at the hip. Uh, but right now, Washington's average price thirty five cents higher than Washington. Like I said, a lot of that is because the cap and trade program, these things do cost money. That's part of the reason why California prices have been so expensive is because they have a cap and trade program. Now, Washington State, it's your turn. Add on top of that, there have been some refinery issues in the Pacific Northwest. Uh, that's affecting Washington and Oregon. Um, but that's the reason why Washington State now has done something we've never seen before, which is it is the most expensive uh, above California and above Hawaii. That hasn't happened in, in me looking back to 2005. That's never happened. So unfortunately, if you're in Washington state, it's not looking terrific. Well, I was there about three weeks ago and I can attest the prices were, were not cheap, <laughs> not even close to being cheap. <laughs> yeah, in no. fact, I, I kind of almost twitched and started having flashbacks from last year's prices because the prices for you folks in Washington and Oregon were, were, were quite expensive, uh, to put it mildly. Uh, I, 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 again, I, I was starting to look at last summer and, and, and starting to think that somehow I had, uh, in the plane had gone back in the past and, and, uh, was suddenly reliving last summer all over again because prices were very, very high. So, um, the the aspect of that, I mean, we obviously always look at the national average, so to speak, uh, you know, and we've talked about why certain areas of the country have lower gas prices than others. And it is a complex answer, understandably. Sometimes it's about regulations and state taxes. Other times it's just about more of the convenience of how uh, from the refinery to the local gas pump. Um, talk to us about some of these aspects when it comes to the price point and where you kind of think things long term are going to head the state of Washington right now kind of taking that title away from California as the most expensive prices are you kind of thinking that it may stay that way for a good while or California may reclaim it or someplace like New York or Chicago slash Illinois may you know move in that direction well, talk to us about some of this the the, the other aspects uh, that could create a higher gas point higher gas tax Etc. That overall well, any, at the pump, you know. Yeah, almost almost anything can play into that. Whether it's a refinery issue or the type of gasoline or you know carbon taxes, um, a lot can go into that. So, you know, I I, I don't think that Washington is going to stay here permanently. Um, California has a lot more rules and regulations when it comes to how to produce gasoline, cap and trade program, or what we'll call a carbon management program. California is a stringent type of gasoline, so. I think what uh, what we're seeing in Washington State with the most expensive is probably temporary. It may last a few weeks, maybe a little longer. Um, the West Coast is kind of a petro island, if you will. It's cut off from the rest of the country, which is why the West Coast often has the most expensive prices, because there's basically no pipelines, uh, major pipelines that connect the West Coast to the rest of the country. So the West Coast is on their own. 
there's been a declining number of refineries in California. Um, and that's why California has generally been the most expensive and probably will be for some time to come. And even more than than Hawaii. Um, yeah, they, you know, that's hit and miss sometimes too. Hawaii, um, Hawaii is very close to that of California. So those two are kind of connected at the hip. Um, Hawaii sometimes is more expensive depending on they have one refinery in Hawaii. Sometimes California is more expensive because they also have a stringent type of gasoline. So um, that's more, you know, kind of a negligible uh, difference between California and Hawaii. They're both <laughs> they're both on the top of the throne trying to fight it out for the uh, the title of most expensive gas. I did not know Hawaii had its own refinery. I uh, used to have a couple of them. Uh, really? but one of them shut down. In fact, both of them were slated to shut down. Um, one of them stayed open. It's a very small uh, refinery. I believe it processes somewhere in the ballpark of 60 to 80,000 barrels a day. So in the grand scheme of thing, that's a very small refinery. Yeah, no, I, I was in Maui uh, several, uh, well, about three, four, five years ago, somewhere in that neighborhood uh, with regard to all of that as well. And prices there were, were very, very uh, expensive as well. So that's certainly something for us to kind of keep in mind. We'll, of course, monitor all of that stuff. And and as far as prices go, I guess over the next seven days, unless something crazy happens, uh, geographically speaking, we should be... <laughs> knock on wood now. Knock, yeah, <laughs> I mean, Lord knows, I go through a car wash and it rains and I get gas and the price goes down. So maybe I shouldn't be the one to say that. But for the <laughs> moment, things seem to be okay. Uh, and I guess, uh, you know, that we'll, we'll be keeping folks up to date. Yeah, absolutely, Matt. I've, I'm hopeful that, you know, as we approach July 4th, uh, especially in light of oil's uh, oil's big dip today, that we could see a little bit of relief at the gas pump over the next week or two. But keep an eye on the price of oil. Uh, who knows? It could swing higher tomorrow. And that's going to be the, the the best kind of uh, 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 barometric pressure, if you will, for what's what's to come at the pump is to watch the price of oil. Absolutely. And for those of you listening, we would love to get your questions and we would love to answer those questions uh, right here on our podcast. You can, of course, get a hold of us in multiple different ways. Patrick, of course, has his special Twitter handle, which is a little bit different from everything else and over a barrel. Patrick? Uh, I'm over at Gas Buddy Guy. I I refuse to, well, I, I guess I've been on there for 12 years with that handle, so it takes a lot to move it. But uh, I'm at Twitter at Gas Buddy Guy, and Matt, you're over there as well. You, you did comply, right? You're over a barrel, Matt. That is correct. You don't need to change yours. Yours is, is very special. It should stay that way. And, and of course, you can have uh, over a barrel show. You can uh, directly address uh, right. the show as well. And you can even email us your questions. Yeah, that's right. Shoot us an email to podcast at gasbuddy.com. Again, uh, thanks for the emails. Uh, gotten some great ideas, uh, some great feedback as well. So we're always listening. Absolutely. That's going to wrap it up right here on Over a Barrel. You have yourself a great weekend and we will talk again with you very soon.